0: Chapter Eight of K. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. K. By Mary Roberts Rinehart. Chapter Eight. Sydney entered the hospital as a probationer early in August. Christine was to be married in September to Palmer Howe, and with harriet and kay in the house she felt that she could safely leave her mother the balcony outside the parlor was already under way on the night before she went away Sydney took chairs out there and sat with her mother until the dew drove Anna into the lamp in the sewing-room and her daily thoughts reading sidney sat alone and viewed her world from this new and pleasant angle she could see the garden and the whitewashed fence with its morning glories, and at the same time, by turning her head, view the Wilson house across the street. She looked mostly at the Wilson house. Kay Lemoine was upstairs in his room. She could hear him tramping up and down, and catch, occasionally, the bittersweet odor of his old briar pipe. All the loose ends of her life were gathered up except joe she would have liked to get that clear too she wanted him to know how she felt about it all that she liked him as much as ever that she did not want to hurt him but she wanted to make it clear too that she knew now that she would never marry him she thought she would never marry but if she did it would be a man doing a man's work in the world her eyes turned wistfully to the house across the street Kay's lamp still burned overhead but his restless tramping about had ceased he must be reading he read a great deal she really ought to go to bed a neighborhood cat came stealthily across the street and stared up at the little balcony with green glowing eyes come on bill taft she said reginald is gone So you are welcome. Come on. Joe Drummond, passing the house for the fourth time that evening, heard her voice and hesitated uncertainly on the pavement. That you, Sid? He called softly. Joe, come in. It's late. I'd better get home. The misery in his voice hurt her. I'll not keep you long. I want to talk to you. He came slowly toward her. Well, he said hoarsely you're not very kind to me joe my god said poor joe kind to you isn't the kindest thing i can do to keep out of your way not if you are hating me all the time i don't hate you then why haven't you been to see me if i've done anything her voice was a tingle with virtue and outraged friendship you haven't done anything but show me where i get off he sat down on the edge of the balcony and stared out blankly if that's the way you feel about it i'm not blaming you i was a fool to think you'd ever care about me i don't know that i feel so bad about the thing i've been around seeing some other girls and i notice they're glad to see me and treat me right too there was boyish bravado in his voice but what makes me sick is to have everyone saying you've jilted me good gracious why joe i never promised well we look at it in different ways that's all i took it for a promise then suddenly all his carefully conserved indifference fled he bent forward quickly and catching her hand held it against his lips i'm crazy about you sydney that's the truth i wish i could die the cat finding no active antagonism sprang up on the balcony and rubbed against the boy's quivering shoulders a breath of air stroked the morning-glory vine like the touch of a friendly hand sidney facing for the first time the enigma of love and despair sat rather frightened in her chair you don't mean that i mean it all right if it wasn't for the folks i'd jump in the river I lied when I said I'd been to see other girls. What do I want with other girls? I want you. I'm not worth all that. No girl's worth what I've been going through, he retorted bitterly. But that doesn't help any. I don't eat. I don't sleep. I'm afraid sometimes of the way I feel. When I saw you at the White Springs with that rumor chap. Ah, you were there. If I'd had a gun, I'd have killed him i thought so far out of sheer pity she had left her hand in his now she drew it away this is wild silly talk you'll be sorry to-morrow it's the truth doggedly but he made a clutch at his self-respect he was acting like a crazy boy and he was a man all of twenty-two when are you going to the hospital to-morrow is that wilson's hospital yes alas for his resolve the red haze of jealousy came again you'll be seeing him every day i suppose i dare say i shall also be seeing twenty or thirty other doctors and a hundred or so men patients not to mention visitors joe you're not rational no he said heavily i'm not if it's got to be someone. Sydney, i'd rather have it the rumor upstairs than wilson there's a lot of talk about wilson it isn't necessary to malign my friends he rose i thought perhaps since you are going away you would let me keep reginald he'd be something to remember you by one would think i was about to die i set reginald free that day in the country i'm sorry joe you'll come to see me now and then won't you if i do do you think you may change your mind i'm afraid not i've got to fight this out alone and the less i see of you the better but his next words belied his intention and wilson had better look out i'll be watching if i see him playing any of his tricks around you well he'd better look out that as it turned out was joe's farewell he had reached the breaking point he gave her a long look blinked and walked rapidly out to the street some of the dignity of his retreat was lost by the fact that the cat followed him close at his heels sidney was hurt greatly troubled if this was love she did not want it this strange compound of suspicion and despair injured pride and threats lovers in fiction were of two classes the accepted ones who loved and trusted and the rejected ones who took themselves away in despair but at least took themselves away the thought of a future with joe always around a corner watching her obsessed her she felt aggrieved insulted she even shed a tear or two very surreptitiously and then being human and much upset and the cat startling her by its sudden return and selfish advances. She shooed it off the veranda and set an imaginary dog after it, whereupon, feeling somewhat better, she went in and locked the balcony window and proceeded upstairs. Lumine's light was still going. The rest of the household slept. She paused outside the door. Are you sleepy? Very softly there was a movement inside the sound of a book put down then no indeed i may not see you in the morning i leave to-morrow just a minute from the sounds she judged that he was putting on his shabby grey coat the next moment he had opened the door and stepped out into the corridor i believe you had forgotten i certainly not i started downstairs a while ago but you had a visitor only joe drummond he gazed down at her quizzically and is joe more reasonable he will be he knows now that i-that i shall not marry him poor chap he'll buck up of course but it's a little hard just now i believe you think i should have married him i am only putting myself in his place and realizing when do you leave just after breakfast i am going very early perhaps he hesitated then hurriedly i've got a little present for you nothing much but your mother was quite willing in fact we bought it together he went back into his room and returned with a small box with all sorts of good luck he said and placed it in her hands how dear of you and may i look now i wish you would because if you would rather have something else. She opened the box with excited fingers. Ticking away on its satin bed was a small gold watch. You'll need it, you see, he explained nervously. It wasn't extravagant under the circumstances. Your mother's watch, which you had intended to take, had no second hand. You'll need a second hand to take pulses, you know. A watch, said Sydney eyes on it a dear little watch to pin on and not put in a pocket why you're the best person i was afraid you might think it presumptuous he said i haven't any right of course i thought of flowers but they fade and what have you you said that you know about joe's roses and then your mother said you wouldn't be offended don't apologize for making me so happy she cried it's wonderful really and the little hand is for pulses. how many queer little things you know after that she must pin it on and slip into stand before his mirror and inspect the result it gave rumoining a queer thrill to see her there in the room among his books and his pipes it make him a little sick too in view of tomorrow and the thousand odd tomorrows when she would not be there i've kept you up shamefully she said at last and you get up so early i shall write you a note from the hospital delivering a little lecture on extravagance because how can i now with this joy shining on me and about how to keep katy in order about your socks and all sorts of things and-and now good-night she had moved to the door and he followed her stooping a little to pass under the low chandelier Good night, said Sidney. Goodbye, and God bless you. She went out, and he closed the door softly behind her. End of chapter 8